0: This is the Dan Grasser Show on 98.7 ESPN. <laughs> Busy week in basketball circles. We got the Gambigay draft coming up on Thursday. And we get these reports about maybe some disharmony going on in Brooklyn between Kyrie Irving and the Nets to help us break it all down. Bring on our pal, the outstanding basketball insider for SNY. He's my good friend Ian Begley. Ian, how are you, buddy? Dan, too kind of to you, my friend. I'm doing well. How are you? No complaints whatsoever, and hey, after a little bit of a lull, the busy season's starting up again here. What what do you make of this report that comes out today about maybe Kyrie and the Nets having a little bit of an impasse over what his future might be? Not a huge surprise uh, because
1: given where things ended with the Nets this year and and given Kyrie's season, I mean, there was always going to be a give and take with these negotiations with Kyrie Irving, obviously a player option for next season. Um, he can sign an extension. He can opt out and become a free agent. I, I would assume that both he and the Nets uh, would like Irving to be here beyond this contract. It probably boils down to the details of the offer that the Nets are comfortable making and what Irving wants. So I think that there was always going to be a rocky element to these negotiations. I don't think it was it was going to be uh, you know, the Nets offering Kyrie the max and him accepting it. It was always going to be less than that. Um, you know, it was going to depend on how many years, how much money, what kind of stipulations will be put in the contract. And so it wasn't your traditional negotiation between team and superstar. So so not a huge surprise that, that things would get a little rocky as we approach the draft here in free agency.
0: And you know that he probably wants to get as much money as possible because money at the end of the day is the operative term here. But, you know, it hasn't been smooth sailing for Kyrie and the Nets for the last couple of seasons really since he's been there. And you know that there's happened a lot, you know, off the court and away from just pure basketball. How much of that has factored in, do you think, to the front office in their intentions or lack thereof I've given this guy a long-term contract. Like, do you think that they are still all in, invested on Kyrie Irving being a part of the future? Yeah, I think that that has played a big role, what's happened since uh, Kyrie coming in
1: 2019, just the availability or uh, lack of availability uh, with Irving. I think, you know, I know going back to last year, there were some people uh, with the Nets that, you know, just wondered when, you would you would have Kyrie and and for how long and and if you could kind of what you could count on with Kyrie Irving. So you know those those worries those concerns kind of bore themselves out over the course of last year and even the year before that. So I w- I would assume that yes that is a factor here uh, with the negotiations between Irving and the Nets. It's, it's you know how much can we count on you, Kyrie. Um, if we're giving you a multi-year deal. And, you know, I think for Irving, no one would ever question his talent, but I think it's totally fair just to wonder how often he'd be available, his commitment um, to the to the team um, based on what's happened over the past few years. So that's, yeah, I think that's certainly an angle here that both sides are probably exploring. And, and going back and forth um, in terms of trying to hammer something out, I still think at the end of the day, most likely scenario is, Kyrie of being back in Brooklyn, but this is what happens during negotiations, right? It's not always yep. a smooth path. There are hiccups, and you got to cover your bases if you're both sides.
0: Ian Begley, SNY, joining us here on 9870 ESPN. What's the KD Kyrie relationship like right now? Your best guesstimate? I very good.
1: I don't. I, I haven't heard anything that led me to be- would lead me to believe otherwise. I, I don't think that there's a uh, any issue there. Uh, the way that those guys spoke about one another. Um, over the course of the season, particularly late in the year, uh, when Kyrie was playing every day in, in the playoffs, so you know Kyrie Irving said publicly he wants to be back. He's not going anywhere. Uh, he's not going to leave Kevin Durant. I don't think that. Excuse me. I, I don't think there's any reason to question that statement. I think it's just about coming to terms uh, with the Nets, where you know Irving feels comfortable, the Nets feel comfortable. But as far as he and Kevin Durant go, I, I think they're solid.
0: The talk in this report was if if things fizzle out with Kyrie in Brooklyn and everything, you know, you just said you believe that won't happen, but you know, should things take a surprise turn, then the Knicks are reportedly a team that would, you know, may show some sort of interest. The Tom Thibodeau relationship with Kyrie, they worked together with the Olympics some years ago there, but other than that would the Knicks really be tempted to go all in on possibly getting a player who Just a few years ago, didn't really want any part of them when he had the chance.
1: It would surprise me. Um, I mean, we know that they need a dynamic guard. Uh, It doesn't take, you know, you don't need to be James Naismith to figure that out. Kyrie Irving certainly is a dynamic guard. But based on what we've seen over Leon Rose's tenure, he hasn't been a big risk taker. And this would be a monumental risk trading uh, for Kyrie Irving. And doing and giving him you know multi year multiple years on a contract, be a big swing. And so I, from what I was told back going back to the combine, you know this was a big topic of conversation last month around then. And people around Irving saw the Knicks as a potential destination if things did not work out with the Nets, if things went sideways during the, those negotiations. So you know I I do know from from his end, at least people around him viewed New York as a potential destination, Um, you know, take that however you will, but I I would assume that he would want to remain in the area if things didn't work out with the Nets, and that that means the Knicks uh, would be uh, a destination for him. On the Knicks side, again, you mentioned Thibodeau. He's a big fan of Kyrie Irving, but I do think it would be a big swing for Leon Rose, and based on what we've seen so far, it doesn't seem to me like a risk that he would take.
0: Interesting enough. Ian Begley of SNY, our guest here on 98.7 ESPN. All right, they need, they need a lead guard, as you said. Everybody knows that, right? It, it's, it's no shocker there. So if it's not going to come from Kyrie, the other options potentially around the NBA, start with Jalen Brunson. We know that he's potentially there to be had, but everything that Dallas has said is that there's no way they're going to let him out of their sights there. We know the Knicks brought in his pop, you know, to work in the organization. Now, how likelihood of a possibility do you think it is maybe that Brunson could be coming back east? Mm,
1: if I'm betting today, Jalen Brunson resigns with Dallas. I mean, the fact that they made a run to the conference final and Brunson played such a big role, I don't think you could let him go if you're Dallas. I mean, listen, maybe there, somehow, some way, uh, Dallas gets spooked into thinking Brunson could go to another team with cap space, and then they decide, all right, we're going to do a sign and trade with the Knicks so we get something back. But barring an unlikely scenario like that, I have to think Dallas does everything it can to keep Jalen Brunson. Jalen Brunson, um, you know, by all accounts, is happy in Dallas. He he cares about winning. He wants to win. So I, I can't see that him leaving Dallas or Mark Cuban letting him leave Dallas without a new deal uh, come July one.
0: What about the Colin Sexton angle? You know, coming off of an injury plague season a year ago, um, you know, there was some talk, I guess it was uh, around a year ago at this time, about maybe the Knicks looking in that direction. How how big is the likelihood, you think, of maybe uh, that being an avenue they pursue?
1: You know, I think when you talk about Jaden Ivey, you talk about Kyrie Irving, you talk about Brunson, uh, Mike Conley, Malcolm Brogdon. Uh, I think that Sexton is, is kind of lower on that list just because of what he's coming off of the injury history and, and the idea that, you know, it, it's a risk just like there are elements of trading for Kyrie Irving that are risky. There are um, elements that are signing for Colin Sexton or signing trade for Colin Sexton that are, ver- that are risky. So I would think that if the Knicks are going to take their big swing, um, they don't take that big swing on something that is, that has as much risk as a Sexton or an Irving. Uh, that would just be my read on it at the moment. I would think they would go with the, a safer play and then save that, that big move for something that, uh, you know, doesn't have as much of a chance as kind of blowing up in their face. So I think that's kind of – that's how I read it with Sexton. Look, he's gonna, someone's going to pay him. He's going to make his money. Uh, I would just be a little bit surprised if the Knicks came with the strongest offer. Uh, you know, in a couple weeks.
0: All right, draft night coming up here on Thursday. You mentioned Jaden Ivey's name, and Jaden Ivey's thrown the Knicks out there and meeting with the media and talking about how he thinks it would be a good fit. The only problem is, is Knicks are sitting there at 11. Jaden Ivey's not going to make it to 11, and sure, it would be nice to trade up to maybe get a shot at him, but you know it takes two to tango. Right now, if you're Mm -hmm. a betting man, Ian, you think the Knicks are moving up, or are they staying pat at 11 come Thursday? When you talk about moving up to
1: four, Dan, I, that price is going to be high, and I think it's going to be high up until, you know, Thursday evening as we get closer to the draft because Sacramento has no reason to to, to do a deal unless they're totally blown away, uh, you know, until Thursday evening. So does the price come down as you get closer to Sacramento's time on the clock? I'm not sure, but at the moment with where this price is, is said to have been, you know, you, I think you're talking about multiple – from the Knicks, and you're talking about at least one of the, the young players in their young core that they like. So it's a lot to sacrifice for a player in Ivy who, yes, he seems like a fantastic prospect, but is unproven. Um, so it's, it's, it's a big bet to make. I think at this point, I would put it as, uh, you know, 40%, 35% that it happens. And I, I think San, excuse me, Sacramento probably have to come down a little bit because teams in touch with them just said the price is so high, um, and I think the Knicks would be hesitant to go all the way there, at least where the price has been over the past couple days.
0: Yeah, no doubt about it. All right, so for argument's sake, should the Knicks hang around at 11 and and they stand pat, what are some of the names that you're hearing that maybe they're looking to target here with that slot?
1: I think A.J. Griffin, uh, if he's at 11, I think that local – kid, obviously Archbishop Stepanak High School, uh, PSA Cardinals AAU program, father Adrian Griffin, coach with Tom Thibodeau. You know, there's a lot of uh, connection there. I I think that he'd be in the mix. And then, you know, you look at – pardon me, then you look at, you know, other players who could be loved. I don't think, you know, a Dyson Daniels is going to fall. I don't think a Ben Mavern is going to fall. But every draft – there's at least one player like a Johnny Davis, like there's going to be somebody who's there at 11, who maybe, you know, people who pay attention to the draft would be surprised by. So, you know, if Johnny Davis is there, I can see the Knicks going that route simply based on his talent. Uh, You know, the big question though, going into draft night is Mitchell Robinson. How do you feel about your chances of re-signing him? Do you think he's gone if you're the Knicks? If you do think he's gone, then do you go with one of the bigs, Mark Williams, uh, Jalen Duren, one of those two, because of the situation with Robinson and his future?
0: Yeah, you talk about a guy like, you know, Jalen. I mean, he's like, you know, you're talking about teenagers essentially, right? And then you wonder about mm-hmm. injecting that into your program. And there's naturally going to be that time that's needed for development. And it's always such a risky proposition there. Let's close on this one bottom line you know when you factor in the draft you factor in free agency trades you think this is going to be a busy active summer for the Knicks or just kind of a you know just your average summer in terms of movement yeah I think you look
1: at where they are not a lot of cap space so whatever happens is going to have to happen via trade I I don't think they're bringing back the identical roster that they ended last season with I think there's going to be Uh, at least one trade to to loosen up uh, the rotations and how crowded everything is, particularly if they make a draft pick. uh, I would think that there's going to be at least one deal to loosen things up. And and so I think probably moderate, uh, you know, unless something we don't see right now uh, comes to fruition, Donovan Mitchell becoming available, like a big move like that, I I can't see it happening at this point. Um, So I would say moderate. I would say moderate. You're going to see a trade. It's just a matter of who's available and, and where the Knicks feel they can afford to lose one of their rotation players, what position area and what they can get back.
0: Well, you brought up Donovan Mitchell. Like, what's happening out there now? You know that you're going to have a new coach finally. You know that they haven't been able to get to the top of the mountain collectively with those guys out there. You know that he's from here. He'd probably love to come home. I mean, is this finally the off season? maybe where Utah decides to tweak things and have to part ways with one of the superstars and maybe Donovan Mitchell?
1: You know, the answer, Dan, is yes. I think this is the offseason that they do part ways with one of those guys. But when Quinn Snyder stepped away, I think it became more likely to be Rudy Gobert being traded than Donovan Mitchell. And so if it's going to be one of those guys, I think it's more likely Gobert this offseason. And also one thing to watch there is the coaching search, Dan, because we know uh, Johnny Bryant, Donovan Mitchell, very close. Bryant, Knicks associate head coach, has interviewed in Utah, I think he's a solid candidate over there. I think his support um, extends beyond just Donovan Mitchell. And when you talk about him as a potential Jazz coach, if they hire Johnny Bryant, I I can't see Donovan Mitchell then leaving Utah. You You can kind of take that off the table. If they don't hire Johnny Bryant, they go in a different direction. I think those questions will still be there. So I think that's something to keep an eye on if you're somebody who's wondering about Donovan Mitchell and his future with the Jazz.
0: No doubt about it. And as we know, July always brings a surprise or two or three when it comes to the NBA calendar. So I'm sure that there's some around the corner here for us to sink our teeth into. Ian, great stuff as always, my friend. Thanks for setting aside a couple of minutes here, and uh, we'll talk again soon, pal. Thanks as always.
1: Looking forward to it, Dan. Okay, take care, man. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. (laughs)